Welcome everybody. Good morning. My name is Matt Dana, managing partner of uh, Dana Whiting Law. I've got my partner here, Trevor Whiting, today. And good morning, Matt. We're sitting here in the Prescott room, and if you can see some stuff in the background, uh, you know our law firm's always done business throughout Arizona for the past 34 years, and uh, Prescott was a big part of the growth of the firm. When clients love the kind of old west look and feel of yeah. the office and you know the old barn wood from your dad's corral and barn and stuff like that. So. It's cool and, and you can see I've got the picture, well maybe you can't see, I've got a picture of Marshall Matt Dillon over here after me, Matt, and then got Matt Saloon from Whiskey Row uh, in Prescott. And Bucky up here. Bucky O'Neill. But anyway, uh, Trevor, it's good to have you today and I know we've both got busy days today so I'm going to jump into the conversation. but. Uh, you know, we've been between now, which is October 16th and the end of the year, we're extremely busy and we've got probably 15 or 20 clients that are doing the exact same strategy. And so I wanted to debate that strategy with you today and talk about why are clients all worked up to do this before year end. And I'll just introduce the strategy. We're talking about something that we've called spousal gift trust. And basically we have a, a, a special type of trust where one spouse creates it for the benefit of another spouse. And I know that there's a t more technical terms, but this is something that people can read up on the internet and find out more about it. I think on the internet, Trevor, don't they call them slats? Yeah, most what of the time they'll see it, a slat, a spousal lifetime access trust. Yeah. yeah, same thing, and we call it a spousal gift trust, but Trevor, why, why is this such a hot topic? I mean, it's not a new topic. It's been around forever. Why is it so hot right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a not a new topic. Like you yeah. said, it's a hot topic, just like it was, you know, eight years ago in 2012. We were doing all kinds of slats and spousal gift trusts. And it's a hot topic now because for the same reason, there's a, there's a chance that we're going to lose some of the estate tax exemption that was given to each person in the world, in each United States. What is what is that estate tax exemption right now? That exemption is $11.5 million per person right now. So a husband and a wife? A husband and wife, $23 million. Yeah, no but, tax on 23. Correct. So when somebody passes away, if they have a married couple, 23 million, first 23 million of assets pass free of any estate tax. Yeah. And then everything above that is taxed at 40%. 40%. So it's one of those things, it's you know, it's only going to apply to a small segment of society that's going to be over 23 million, but when it applies, it kicks in at 40%. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, you know, when President Trump did his tax reform in 2017, he bumped it up to this 11.5 million number, and it's indexed for inflation, but he didn't have enough votes to make that permanent. So it sunsets in 2026, and we know it's going to be cut in half then. But the, the strange thing now is that we've got this election year, polls are saying you know Biden has a good chance of winning, and he's already proposed to cutting it back before 2026 and bringing it all the way back down to three and a half million per person. Most of our clients uh, believe there's a strong likelihood this is gonna happen. Yeah. And, and I guess the Trevor is safe to say, even if that didn't happen, this strategy is a good strategy from a creditor protection standpoint. And it's got other utility besides estate tax. So right. it's one of those things. And I, th I think Trevor, you know, the ideal client for this, in my opinion, is obviously the ones that have estates over 22 million. This is a no-brainer. 
because I, I just was signing with a, uh, a client in the other room. They had about a $30 million estate. If, if they died right now, you know, let's say 23 million's free, 7 million's at 40%, 2.8 million they would owe. If they died next year, and this 11 million was rolled back to six, you'd have to take another 10 million would be exposed, another 4 million in tax. So guys over 22, it's a no brainer. Right. Now I also think it's very popular, it should be popular for guys that are between the 10 and $20 million mark. At today's estate tax exemption, no problem, 23 million protects them. Rolls backwards to say six million each, at 12 million, they have a problem. And does anybody believe that you know your estate's going to stay flat for the next 20 years? I mean, these guys that just signed, I think they told me they were 77. Uh, we were talking about longevity, and they said, "Well, we you know we feel pretty good that we have another 10 years in us." a good chance that, that, that their net worth doubles in the next 10 years. They're in the mini storage business, they're very good at mini storages. Let's um, say they can grow that at 10% per year using the rule of 72. Every seven years they're doubling. So people are locking this in. Tell, tell me mechanically, well let me tee it up this way and then I'll turn that over the, the mechanics, but to lock in that exemption you have to make an irrevocable gift. You have to make a transfer. You have to take $11 million of property. It doesn't have to be cash. They were using partnership interests that own the mini storages. But you have to make a gift of $11 million to something that's irrevocable. If you're making a gift to a revocable trust, that's not much of a gift at all. So the problem is a lot of people aren't ready to make that type of a gift to their kids. Now some of our clients are wealthy enough that they'll use their 11 million, they'll create a trust for the kids, they'll gift the 11 million to the trust, they'll be done with it. But for a lot of our clients, they're saying, you know what, I've got 10, 15, 20 years left in me. I don't want to give away that much and I live to be 85 and then all of a sudden I don't have enough to take care of myself. So tell me how this spousal trust works. Yeah, the spousal trust resolves that issue because that's the biggest issue we face when we tell a client they need to make a gift of 10, 11 million dollars. Spousal trust resolves that issue because if I create a, a trust for the benefit of my wife and I put in 11 million dollars, she has the use and access of, of those, those funds in there. Yeah. She can pull out what she needs to pay our mortgage and buy groceries and stuff like that and I benefit indirectly through through her. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm making a gift and I report a gift to the IRS and I say that I've used my exemption and I lock it in, but really the money's just kind of put, in, put in a, into a different pocket. I don't have direct access to it and I don't have legal ownership of it, but it's in a trust that can benefit my wife and my kids as my kids get older and go to college and stuff, you know, that can be used to, to help pay for colleges. Who can be like the that. trustee of that? And my wife can even be the trustee. I don't have to use an independent corporate trustee. She can be the trustee. She can be the trustee as long as we, we structure that trust properly and we say that she can pull out what she needs for her health and education and maintenance and support. Mm -hmm. Then uh, she can be the trustee and make those distribution decisions. 
um, it can benefit her, my descendants, uh, you know, and it can it can be an uh, a generation skipping trust, meaning mm-hmm. that when she passes away, it can pass down to my kids with no estate tax and be exempt from estate tax for multiple generations. Yeah. So it's a it's you know we can tie in a bunch of these tax benefits that we have uh, with this higher exemption, lock them in. And if Biden wins the presidency and he gets his way and reduces it down to a three and a half million dollar exemption, I've locked that in and frozen that in and all that growth and appreciation, like you were saying, you know, over 10, 20, 30 years, all that growth is free and exempt from estate taxes as well. Yeah. And you and I are finding, you know, we've been practicing together now, I think over 12 or 13 years. And we've had a lot of clients that did some of this planning 12 or 13 years ago. I'm thinking of a case we did where, you know, they were a $15 million client and today they're, you know, $45 million client. But we get a lot of benefit out of not only utilizing exemptions, but utilizing them early to get the growth and appreciation out. In fact, I I think if you do the math, we, 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 you know, we actually do better on getting growth and appreciation out than we do using the estate tax exemptions. It, just, it makes us look better. It, it does, you know, and, and we, we, we worry about, okay, if Biden wins, he wants to reduce it, but, you know, historically that exemption's always kind of gone up. Yeah. So, who you know, if we had a crystal ball, it'd be easier to do these plans, but the growth of the assets is probably more valuable getting that out of the estate tax yeah you know maybe he does reduce it but maybe there's another congress four years later that increases it back up again or something and it might be a temporary reduction well even though even the credit creditor protection utility that that we talk about i mean i i have a spousal trust that i created for my wife and she's created one for me my my estate's nowhere close to a, you know 23 million total or you know 11 million but i like the creditor protection part that that if anybody sues me i don't own any assets they're they're in a trust if anybody sues my wife she doesn't own the assets and i i kind of talk about the assets are really up in the cloud we have the right to use them and enjoy them but our creditors can't reach it in the estate tax Uh, all that growth but you know we always talk about you know two potential risk of of what could go wrong Uh, I told my wife the other day when we sold a property in the spousal gift trust and there's a few hundred thousand dollars and talked about uh, this would be a good time to divorce me talk to me about what what if I set this up for my wife and I make the 11 million dollar gift and she divorces me a month later. Yeah, you know, that situation, like we said, that trust is set up for Nancy's benefit for your wife. And if, uh, if, if she turns around and divorces you, she takes off with that trust and she's got the assets in that trust. And you're not going to indirectly benefit any longer. I can't, go whining, I can't go whining to the court and say, but your honor, I gave her the assets. Well, right. it's a gift. It's a gift. And yeah. the gift means that you gave up control and, and ownership of it. You know, and and if uh, you did something dumb enough where Nancy's going to divorce you, she's yeah. not going to buy your groceries anymore. She's not going to, you know, pay your bills and stuff. So she's going to have that and she's going to benefit from it. But, you know, you won't have that. that I'm glad you said if, if I was dumb enough. Or, <laughs> that's very took. I, I know you and Nancy I, well. Well, I've always said if, if Nancy and I get divorced, I'm pretty sure it's because I did something stupid. Yeah. 
So uh, we've been married, you know, 42, 43 years. I forget that I'm passing so fast, but it's been a long time. I, I don't think it'll happen. If it did happen, it'd probably be my fault. But what if I what if I did want to protect against that? What could I do? Well, that's where you know we, we and we have the discussion with clients, and most of the time, you know, clients don't want to think about divorce and stuff. But as advisors, we have to say this is a possibility, and uh, and you know we have to think of that. And so one of the things we do is we have one spouse make a gift to the first to the other spouse, and then sometime later and making the trust a little bit different we have the second spouse make a gift to the first spouse and another trust yeah so now if if there is a divorce yeah you know husband gets a trust wife gets a trust and and uh and they go their separate ways in the divorce it's similar as if assets would have been divided in the divorce proceeding itself yeah and it doesn't surprise you because you probably drafted it for me but this building which I own right here, 50% is in Nancy's trust and 50% is in my trust. But that's, that seems weird that the IRS would allow that if I create a trust for Nancy and Nancy creates a trust for me, it kind of looks like I really just created a trust for myself and if I did that, I don't get credit or protection and I don't get a state tax. So how do you, how do you solve the IRS's fear that I'm really just creating this for myself? Yeah, the IRS, they addressed that issue many years ago, 70 years ago or yeah. something like that, and they came up with what they call the reciprocal trust doctrine, where they said, we can't, you can't just do the same trust, one for each spouse. And so there are differences that we, we make in these trusts. We might make different trustees and different beneficiaries and different powers and different uh, authority that, that one spouse has in one versus the other. And then a lot of times, we'll, like I said, we'll put time in between each of those so they're not done at the same time. And uh, you know, preferably we're going to fund them with different assets and things like that. So you know, there's there's enough differences between the two transactions yeah. where it's not exactly the same from an economic standpoint, and uh, and that's going to get around this issue that the IRS has with it. If we can just show them that this wasn't the, what I received isn't exactly the same as what I gave away. Yeah. Then that's a completed gift, and that's going to be okay. Yeah. So, like this one we just signed this morning. You know, the wife created a trust for her spouse, and they're going to put eleven million dollars worth of storage units in it, and we'll file a gift tax return and we'll report that. And then that second spouse will will wait and do uh, into the next tax year, sometime next year. Now I say sometime it'll depend on the election and the outcome. You know, it, the, you know the way things are happening. We may want to do that second spousal trust right at the very beginning of the year. If certain things happen, then maybe we don't have to do it until you know, until maybe next summer. But we do need to put time between the two trusts, and there's no magical amount of time, is there? There's not, right? And so you know, maybe maybe you know, two or three months is enough. The other, the other thing that I think clients would worry about, what, what if I put this $11 million in, into trust for my wife and, and my kids and, and I'm indirectly benefiting, she's still taking me to the cabin and still buying the groceries and doing all those things. What happens when she dies before me? She's not supposed to, I'm supposed to die first, but she doesn't play by the rules and she dies first. 
that 11 million drops down to the kids and now I'm out of 11 million dollars. I'm not too happy, Trevor. Got some explaining to do. Yeah, one of the ways we address that is through life insurance, right? If we insure your wife's we put, get enough insurance on her where you're going to be the beneficiary or a trust, really. Again, we, we love trust. We're always going to use trust. But the, a trust for your benefit is the beneficiary of life insurance on her life. Mm-hmm. Then when she passes away, you get that nice, clean insurance proceeds. And, you know, that, that can help. I'm okay with you. the $11 million drop into the kids. I'll take the $11 million policy. And right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay now. You'll take that $11 million policy. There's... There, so that's that's one way. And that's, I'm uninsurable though. If you have heart problems, uninsurable, then you know we can build in certain powers or give. Um, you know, we we talk about trust protectors. We talk about you know different uh, roles of of advisors that are in a trust, and and maybe we give you know somebody the power in that trust that you created. The ability to say that when when your wife passes away, that the assets will go back to you in a trust that's protected from creditors, that's mm-hmm. exempt from your estate. Um, the important thing is is that you cannot have directed that when you created the trust for your. I can't draft the trust to say here's in trust for wife. If wife dies, it comes back to me. I can't do that. Correct. But I can say here's a trust for my wife. And I give her the power to direct where it goes when she dies, and she comes in at a different time in a different place and says, "You know what? If if I die and Matt's still alive, give it back to him." Right. It's okay. And it would just go into another trust that's for you and the kids' benefit, and you know, take care of you, and then again pass down to the kids when when you pass away. Yeah, so. I think it's pretty sweet, and we've already talked about how. I did it for creditor protection, and I did it. Some of the assets I put in there, think I think they have some pretty good upswing, and maybe I'll get some estate tax benefit. The folks that we just signed did it purely for estate tax purposes. But I always like a trust that has dual purpose and dual meaning, which these do, and I think that gets us back to why they're so hot. And to kind of end this podcast, I want to talk about you related back to 2010, and, and, and you and I remember it well. We were, we were practicing law together back then. We've seen exactly how this script is likely to play out based upon 2010. Remember, it was the same scenario. What, you know, describe it. We had an estate tax in play, but what, what, what was it that was scaring people about 2010 where they were doing this? Yeah, there was that, it, the estate tax exemption was in play, but then in 2011, and you know, the Congress ended up kicking the can down the road and we get to 2012, they had set the exemption at five million, but then there was that fiscal cliff that we heard about for months and months. It was gonna drop back, it was gonna drop back to a million. It was gonna come down to a million. Back to that sunset you talked about. There was right. a sunset provision that says we got a $5 million exemption, but on January 1st of, was, was it 2013? 2013. It's gonna sunset and go back to a million. And so everybody, we were doing you know, same same type of strategy. We were doing it. We were, you know, making a gift of five million dollars at that time because yeah. that's what that exemption was. And then, you know, on December thirty first, you know, Congress passed a bill and they actually made, you know, took away that sunset and made it permanent at five million. And now, you know, we're in a situation where Trump doubled it, 
and and you know we want to uh, uh but but it's going to sunset in 2026 and if a new congress and new president comes yeah. in you know they, it might sunset before that we've read this story we've seen it play and, out and you know we can't guarantee how it plays out but it's going to be some something similar and then if you if you if you write into the story no matter how it plays out it has good utility then, then you know why wouldn't people do yeah, that? Yeah, those clients of ours that did it in 2012, even to see that 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 law changed and they took away the sunset, you know, they they like the trust still because they see that it's for the benefit that that they can in, indirectly benefit from it, yeah. spouse directly benefits from it, and yet it gives them that asset protection and that estate tax benefit and freezes all that growth outside of the I would state. I would wager to say a lot of those that we did back in those days at five million are probably now today sitting at fifteen million and so they're still glad that they did it because right. now they don't have to do it again, so to speak. But yeah. pretty pretty good discussion. I also want to just point out here that if anybody's interested, they can send us an email. I wrote an article and don't you know you know I don't want to get political here, but I named it the Trump Trust just because Trump's the one that gave us the increased exemption from 5 to 11. And then Trump's the one that gave us that sunset that's going to happen. And so it's a perfect storm now for a Trump Trust. It, we've got all this uncertainty and, 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 and you, know, you know, the estate tax is a real threat. And it's going to be a wild ride to see how this election turns out. and. No matter how it turns out, there's going to be a debate on taxes. So. You going to make a prediction? No. On video? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. yeah. Like like a stock like a stockbroker <laughs> predicting which stock to buy. Right. I, I will give a prediction, and this 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 I'll, I'll I'll bet steak dinners on it. There will be a tax law change next year. Yeah. Of some sort. So. Uh, In addition to, to elections, we got trillions of dollars of stimulus money going out. There's going to be a lot of pressure. I don't know how taxes. how you know you you either put our kids in more debt. You know, Trevor and I both have LLM degrees, which are almost equivalent of a doctor doctor degree in taxation. So we're we're tax nerds and we like to debate tax policy, but. It's very difficult for the government to function the way we're functioning, either either go in debt or raise taxes. Right. But, uh, you know, we always say, Trevor, we're in the right business. You know, the, the two certainties in life are death and taxes, and we're in both of those businesses. So, yeah. thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and send us an email of questions if you have any.